Peace be upon you. Imagine you found out that there was a secret cabal ultimately ruling this world. And one day they identified you and they said, hey, you know what? We think you should be the ultimate ruler of the world. And if you take this responsibility from here on out, anything you decree, every nation will have to abide by. Meaning that if you said, hey, for instance, I want Saudi Arabia to stop bombing Yemen, it would instantly happen. If you want to stop the war between Russia and Ukraine, snap a finger and you can make it into law. Or if you want to change the borders of any nation, you want to change the way that the tax system is done. Anything you decree, every nation has to abide by it. But for these powers, there's only two caveats. The first is that these powers will be temporary. At any point, the cabal can say, you know what, we're going to remove these powers from you, and then you're going to go back to being a normal person. The second caveat is at the end of your interim, the council will assess how you use these powers and determine if the powers bestowed upon you created a net positive in goodness in society or a net evil in the world. And based on this outcome, you'll be rewarded or requited to the proportion of pain and misery or joy you brought to the people of the world during your rule. Would you be willing to take on such a responsibility? Now, I think most sensible people would want nothing to do with this. But here's the bad news. You've already agreed to partake in a very similar experiment, and you're living it right now. Before we came to this world, we were offered a similar responsibility. We can be sovereigns for ourselves and determine between right and wrong. And based on this outcome, it's going to determine if we're going to have an eternity of heaven or eternity of hell. And this is depicted in Surah 33, verse 72. It reads, We have offered the responsibility, freedom of choice to the heavens and the earth and the mountains, but they refused to bear it and were afraid of it. But the human being, he accepted it. He was transgressing ignorant. When God's creatures were presented with this offer, the vast majority of them ran away from such an offer. They were terrified by it. But the human being, we accepted it. We were transgressing. We were ignorant. This is because we didn't take heed to God's warnings. And secondly, we downplayed the difficulty of this responsibility. When a person doesn't think that failure is possible, then they won't fear the downsides or ramifications of them failing. So if you don't fear the downside and you think you're guaranteed success, then there is no point not to take such a deal because you think that this is going to guarantee you an eternity of paradise. Similarly, those who listened to this thought experiment and thought they would take on such responsibility couldn't perceive that they, their decisions could have these unintended consequences and cause far greater damage than good. In addition, God gave us two innate qualities in order for us to increase our chances for success. The first is the innate sense that there's only one God, what we call monotheism. In Surah 7, verse 172, it reads, Recall that your Lord summoned all the descendants of Adam and had them bear witness for themselves. Am I not your Lord? They all said, Yes, we bear witness. Thus, you cannot say on the day of resurrection, we were not aware of this. Here, God is informing us that prior to our arrival here on earth, we all made the shahada that there's no other God beside God. We bore witness to this fact that it became an innate sense of being a human being. The second thing that God gave us is the innate understanding between right and wrong. And this is depicted in Surah 91, verse 7 and 8. It says, The soul in him who created it then showed it what is evil and what is good. 
If we look at the Arabic, we see that this showing didn't happen in this world. This is something that was innately given to every human being, that from the moment of birth, every human being has this distinct quality of being able to distinguish right from wrong. I could imagine that based on this innate qualities that God bestowed upon us, we probably felt pretty good about our chances. We thought that since we can distinguish between right and wrong, and we had an innate sense of monotheism, that we were guaranteed to pass this test. But the thing that we failed to understand was how quickly our moral sense of right and wrong and our innate sense of monotheism could have been corrupted once we entered into this world. You see, most tyrants are convinced that what they are doing is right. Their moral compass is so out of whack that they convince themselves that the terrible actions they are doing are for the greater good and they're not even aware of how far astray they've become, that how much they've turned into just absolute tyrants and despicable people. In Surah 35 verse 8 it reads, Note the one whose evil work is adorned in his eyes until he thinks that it is righteous. God thus sends astray whoever wills to go astray, and he guides whoever wills to be guided. Therefore, do not grieve over them. God is fully aware of everything they do. Individuals in this world are all going to think that what they're doing is for the greater good, that they have a right moral compass, and they're going to be completely oblivious to the fact that they're being led astray by themselves. In Surah 40, verse 56, it reads, Surely those who argue against God's revelations without proof are exposing the arrogance that is hidden inside their chest and they're not even aware of it. Therefore, seek refuge in God. He is here, the seer. Individuals who partook in this test never thought that this arrogance would be hidden from themselves, that they've gone so far astray that they don't even realize that what they're doing is wrong. Take the example of Pharaoh and his elders. They genuinely believe that what they were doing was for the benefit of the people in the society. In Surah 26, verse 18 through 22, it reads, He, Pharaoh, said, Did we not raise you from infancy? And you spent many years with us. Then you committed the crime that you committed, and you were ungrateful. He said, Moses uh, said, Indeed, I did it when I was astray. Then I fled when I feared you. And my Lord endowed me with wisdom and made me one of the messengers. You're boasting that you did me a favor while enslaving the children of Israel. Here, Pharaoh is thinking that what he did for Moses was a good thing. And he's failing to even understand that what he's doing is being an oppressor and a tyrant. In Surah 20, verse 63, we read what the elders of Pharaoh said. They said, These two are no more than magicians who wish to take you out of your land with their magic and destroy your ideal way of life. They thought the way that the children of Israel were living was ideal. They thought that this situation that they constructed was for the greater good of society. C.S. Lewis had a quote about such circumstances. It reads, Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satisfied. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. So knowing that we have these vulnerabilities and are susceptible to these shortcomings, what can we do to make sure that our reign in this world is one that will be good and not evil? If you talk to most people, 
They will say you need to find the smartest people and the most educated and consult with them. Ultimately, in this case, you would just be outsourcing your responsibility to others and will be at the mercy of these people and their judgment in hopes of having the right answer. The irony is that who is to say that these experts have the right answers? Take in consideration what happened when COVID-19 was handed over to the experts. It's safe to say that much of their efforts caused more harm than good and caused more havoc on the well-being of society than benefits. This is best depicted in the mass lockdowns that have been proven to be utterly useless. The deprivation of people's livelihoods by closing individuals' businesses. The shutdown of public schools causing increased rates of teen suicides, drug overdoses, and depression, not to mention the years of schooling that kids have lost from this. As well as the creation of a two-tier society of haves and have-nots, where celebrities and elite are able to go about their normal day-to-day while the rest of society has to jump through hoops in order to be able to accommodate these new regulations. So to say that, hey, let's outsource this to the experts does not guarantee success. Similarly, in the matter of faith, we have numerous examples of so-called experts leading people astray. In Surah 28 verse 41, it says, We made them imams who led their people to hell. Furthermore, on the day of resurrection, they will have no help. And we have numerous examples in the Quran of the feuding that's going to take place in the hellfire between the followers and their leaders. In Surah 40, verse 47 through 48, it reads, As they argue in hell, the followers will say to their leaders, We used to be your followers. Can you spare us any part of this hell? The leaders will say, We are all in this together. God has judged among the people. So one can make the argument that, okay, well, these are bad experts. Let's go to the real experts. You know, in the case of our faith, let's look at the commissioned messengers of God. As we see in Surah 65, verse 11, their function is to lead those who believe out of darkness into the light. It reads, a messenger who recites to you God's revelations, clearly to lead those who believe and work righteousness out of darkness into the light. Anyone who believes in God and leads a righteous life, he will admit them into gardens with flowing streams. They abide therein forever. God will generously reward them. So we would think that if we had the right experts, then we're guaranteed to make the right decisions. Yet the irony is that more often than not, we end up rejecting the messengers when they come. We see the example in 2 verse 87 regarding the children of Israel. It says, We gave Moses the scripture, and subsequent to him we sent our messengers, and we gave Jesus the son of Mary profound miracles and supported him with the Holy Spirit. Is it not a fact that every time a messenger went to you with anything you disliked, your ego caused you to be arrogant? Some of them you rejected and some of them you killed. So even if we have a messenger, it's no guarantee that we're going to be able to make the right decisions. This is because most people reject the messengers. But let's say they didn't flat out reject the messengers. They accept that this is a messenger from God. Even then, Many people fail to uphold what the messengers are asking of them. We see this example in Surah 5, verse 19 through 24. It says, O people of the scripture, our messengers come to you to explain things to you after a period of time without messengers. Lest you say we did not receive any preacher or warner. A preacher and a warner has come to you. God is omnipotent. Recall that Moses said to his people, O my people, remember God's blessings upon you. He appointed prophets from among you made you kings and granted you what he never granted any other people. O oh, my people, enter the holy land that God has decreed for you, and do not rebel lest you become losers. 
They said, O Moses, there are powerful people in it, and we will not enter it unless they get out of it. If they get out, we are entering. Two men who were reverent and blessed by God said, Just enter the gate. If you just enter it, you will surely prevail. You must trust in God if you are believers. They said, O Moses, we will never enter it so long as they are in it. Therefore go, you and your Lord, and fight. We are sitting right here. Here are individuals who accept that Moses is a messenger of God. Yet when it comes to the simple commandment of just enter this gate, just enter it, you're going to be taken care of, they reject it. They refuse. This shows that even with innate knowledge and the right experts, it's not enough to guarantee we will make the right decisions. Therefore, we need to go deeper to see what is the core of what we need to do in order to be guided and make the right decisions. So what else could it be? Luckily for us, with this responsibility, God gave us another tool in our arsenal and has provided us a manual to tell us how to make the right moral decisions. And in our case, this manual is the Quran. In Surah 39, verse 23, it reads, God has revealed herein the best hadith, a book that is consistent and points out both ways to heaven and hell. The skins of those who reverence their Lord cringe therefrom, and their skins and their hearts soften up for God's message, such as God's guidance he bestows it upon whomever he wills, as for those sent astray by God, nothing can guide them. So God is telling us in this verse that the purpose of the Quran is to point out the ways to heaven and hell, that we could take this knowledge and apply it in our lives to make sure we make the right decisions. In Surah 39, verse 27 and 28, it reads, We have cited for the people every kind of example in this Quran, that they may take heed in Arabic Quran without any ambiguity, that they may be righteous. If we have this Quran, and it has every example that we require in our lives in order to find salvation, then how could we go wrong? While the Quran is perfect, the humans are far from perfect. We have a deficiency that has caused ourselves to make us prone to misunderstanding and misapplying the Quran. And this is through our ego and our defiance of worshiping God alone. We see this example with the children of Israel that God informs us as a lesson not to make the same mistake. In Surah 5 verse 43 it says, Why do they ask you to judge among them when they have the Torah containing God's laws and they chose to disregard it? They are not believers. So what is it that's causing them to have the Torah that God is saying that this is the book that has all the details they need for their salvation and causes them to disregard it? Similarly, we see in Surah 62 verse 5 says, The example of those who are given the Torah then fail to uphold it is like the donkey carrying great works of literature. Miserable indeed is the example of people who rejected God's revelations. God does not guide the wicked people. Meaning that we can have the manual from God instructing us what we are to do. But again, there is some other barrier that keeps people from actually reading this book and applying it to their lives. Then secondly, we could have the Quran, and despite the fact that the Quran is perfect, it's fully detailed, it has explanations for everything, if we have a deficiency in ourselves, we're not going to be able to fully understand the verses of the Quran. And this, again, goes back to the ego, that when God tells us to do something in the Quran, that we accept it wholeheartedly. In Surah 18, verse 54, it says, We have cited in this Quran every kind of example, but the human being is the most argumentative creature. In that despite God putting the answers in the Quran, giving us the, the, the solutions manual, we still fail to uphold it. In Surah 17 verse 82, it says, We send down the Quran healing and mercy for the believers. At the same time, it only increases 
the wickedness of the transgressors. And we see this famous testimony by the messenger in the day of judgment, where he says in Surah 25 verse 30, it says, the messenger said, my Lord, my people have deserted this Quran. That despite having this Quran, that we fail to uphold it. Now, what is causing us to be able to not uphold this Quran? And it shows that there's something in addition to the innate knowledge of monotheism. There's something in addition that's needed, in addition to the innate knowledge of being able to distinguish between right and wrong. That there's something else that's needed in addition to having messengers that God has sent and the manual by which we need to abide by in order to be able to find salvation. That there's a precursor necessary for us to be able to make the right decisions. And this is the kernel of righteousness. The word kernel is a multi-meaning word and associated with the term of a seed. The kernel is the foundation of a plant and will determine what will be produced from it and the quality of the fruit it produces. But the word kernel also has a meaning in computer speak and it denotes the most basic instruction set of an operating system responsible for resource allocation, file management, and security. It is the central component necessary to launch an application on a computer and is one of the most crucial layers for decision-making on an operating system. And just like a seed, if a plant's seed is defective, it can either cause the plant not to produce any fruit, or if it does produce fruit, the fruit can be unpalatable. Similarly, if the software kernel is corrupted or defective, the program will fail to launch properly. So the kernel is the foundational set of instructions that will inform the rest of the program on how to execute the commands in order for the program to run correctly. This serves as an adequate comparison for our faith. The Quran is our God-given set of instructions that we need to run in order to operate a perfect life. And our kernel for being able to make sure we run these instructions correctly is based on one factor, and that's our sincerity. Such that if we are insincere, we will never be able to unlock and properly apply the Quran in our lives, in the decisions we make. And God clarifies this. In Surah 56, verses 75 through 79, it reads, I swear by the positions of the star. This is an oath, if you only knew, that is awesome. This is an honorable Quran in a protected book. None can grasp it except the sincere. That if we want to be able to understand this Quran, we want to be able to apply it in our lives correctly. That the kernel we need in order to be able to carry this out is that of sincerity. That without sincerity, all our works are going to be in vain because we are not going to be able to apply the rules of the Quran correctly. That everything else becomes secondary after sincerity. Meaning that if you're not sincere, it doesn't matter if you have the manual from God. That if you're not sincere, it doesn't matter that you're given a messenger to explain these facts to you. That if you're insincere, it doesn't matter that you're giving God-given innate understanding of monotheism and the distinction between right and wrong. That the root of all this, in order to be able to apply these things correctly, is sincerity. If a person is insincere, they will be completely heedless to all the guidance, the mercy, the signs that God sends to them. That it's only through sincerity that we can see these signs and apply them correctly in our lives. But just because that we have sincerity and we're able to see the right answers, there is another requirement, which is the will to do what is right in the face of adversity. 
Meaning that even if you know what the right way is, sometimes it's hard to make that decision and follow through with it. We see this example in Surah 3, verse 155. These are believers who chose to fight in the cause of God. They took up arms, but when they were put to the test, how did they respond? It says, surely those among you who turned back the day the two armies clashed have been duped by the devil. This reflects some of the evil works they had committed. And it says, God has pardoned them. God is forgiver, clement. Meaning that they saw the truth. They saw what they were supposed to do. But because of some of the corruption that they've committed in the past, these sins that they've earned, they were unable to follow through with what was necessary in order to make the right decisions. That they did not have the will in order to carry through with being righteous. In Surah 29, verse 2, we read about the inevitable test. It says, Do the people think that they will be left to say we believe without being put to the test? We have tested those before them, for God must distinguish those who are truthful, and He must expose the liars. And we see this test depicted in Surah 29, verse 10, and how some people failed in this test. It says, Among the people there are those who say we believe in God. But as soon as they suffer any hardship because of God, they equate the people's persecution with God's retribution. But if blessings from your Lord come your way, they say we were with you, is God not fully aware of the people's innermost thoughts? Again, here's people, they know what to do. They know right from wrong. They've made the decision, they've said they believe. But when it came to following through, through the admission test, they failed in this regard. So what can we do in order to be able to pass this test when it happens? If we're sincere, we have the right answers, we know what we're supposed to do. There's one last component, and that has to do with removing the impurities from ourselves and drawing closer to God. And this is done through the most potent mechanism of that of the Salat contact prayer. In Surah 29, verse 45, it reads, You shall recite what is revealed to you of the scripture and observe the contact prayer Salat. For the contact prayers, Salat, prohibit evil and vice. But the remembrance of God through Salat is the most important objective. God knows everything you do. That if we want to be able to prohibit evil and vice in our life, to be able to draw closer to God, the mechanism by which God has decreed us to be able to do that is through our worship practices of the Salat. In Surah 31, verse 17, we read the advice that Lokman gave his son. It says, Oh, my son, you shall observe the contact per Salat. You shall advocate righteousness and forbid evil and remain steadfast in the face of adversity. These are the most honorable traits that God is telling us. The way that we can be steadfast, the way that we can persevere through adversity is by means of the Salat. So now that we acknowledge that we have this responsibility, that we can't skirt away from it, what will we do with such powers? The answer is in Surah 22, verse 41. It says, There are those who, if we appointed them as rulers on earth, they would establish the contact per salat and the obligatory charity zakat and would advocate righteousness and forbid evil. God is the ultimate ruler. Like it or not, we already accepted this responsibility. God has given us the innate knowledge of monotheism to worship God alone. God has given us the innate knowledge to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. God has sent us messengers to clarify matters for us. He has given us an instruction manual on what decisions we need to make. And He's shown us that without sincerity, none of these are going to operate in the correct manner. And that said, that the only thing we have left 
is our ability to draw closer to God. And we do that by means of the Salat, that we do that by advocating righteousness and forbidding evil. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys want to get in contact, please join us on the Discord channel. You can find the invite link below. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, you can download the Quran City app on the iOS App Store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to QuranCityApp.com website where you can find a word-by-word -word translation of the Quran as well as a translation by Dr. Rashad Khalifa. And until next time, peace and God bless.